Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us about right and wrong marriages and what to do if you're getting married or if you feel you married the wrong person. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's some highlights from this week's messages. Is there a new sprout of pride that's come up overnight? Dig it out early. If you take heed to yourself and to your doctrine, he says you will save yourself and those that hear it. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought, or I like to think of the word reduced. Now here's Tom Cantor as we conclude our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday study in Genesis. You're being hunted. And Proverbs 7, 22-24 says that he goeth after her straightway. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. That's what we're talking about here. Life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, you children, and attend to the words of my mouth. These are the words of a loving father to his children. He's sitting them down in this part here of Proverbs 6, 24. And he's saying, hearken unto me, therefore, now, O you children. I love you, he's saying. I know that when you see this beautiful woman, there will be an invigorating energy to it all. He says, he goeth after her straightway. I don't need any advice from anybody. I don't need it from God or anybody. That's an invigorating energy. He goeth after her straightway. And the only time he realizes that his life was on the line and his life was being hunted when it was too late. After the dart went through his liver, then he realized he knew not that it was for his life. Your life with God. This is what God is saying to the sons of God in Genesis 6 near Proverbs. He's saying, your life, your life with God It's too high a price to pay. It just is not worth it. And God was striving with his sons in Genesis 6 to stay away from those women because they were, in Genesis 6, going after them straightway. God saw the darts that were going to go through their liver. God knew that his sons, his sons of God, didn't know it was for their lives that they were being hunted until it was too late. And God was calling to the sons of God as he was saying to them, Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. But those sons of God wouldn't hearken. And those sons of God would not listen. They wouldn't hear God because they saw, they chose, they took. And those women were going to be their wives. From their point of view, it was... Hebrews 11.25, I'd rather enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And they didn't care if disaster was around the corner. They wanted to enjoy for the short time. And they made their mind up. They were tired of hearing God. They were tired of striving with God as God was getting tired of striving with them. And they did what is referred to in 1 Timothy 4.2. They seared their conscience with a hot iron. So they didn't have to listen anymore. What a tragedy. Because through marriage, God watched the spiritual corruption of his children, of the sons of God. 
and the seed on earth. And it was a great, 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 great loss. It was also a loss for the sons of God. Their lives were wasted. You know, there's a wonderful thing. And I'm going back now to this phrase, the face of the earth. You know, the earth is the Lord's, 1 Corinthians 10, 26, and the fullness thereof. That's God's earth that we've been put on, that we are on, that all men are on. That's God's earth. And, you know, the wonderful thing about God is that he created this earth and he put man on it. And he made him in the image of God, which means that he made him with the ability to create, to come up with, to invent, to devise. And then he gave man this latitude to go invent, go devise, go make. And then there's several places in the Bible where God, he's like interested. Well, what's man going to come up with? What's man going to devise? What's he going to invent? And for example, in Genesis 2.19, when he made all the animals, he said, well, now I'm going to let man devise, create, invent, come up with on his own names. We already talked about that. Genesis 2.19. But it says in there that he brought them to Adam, the animals, and then there's this phrase. He brought them to Adam and says, because God wanted to see what he would call them. God was really interested in Adam's names. What are you going to call this one, Adam? And um, it shows us of what the relationship really is all about between God and man. God has created this world for us, put us there, given us the principles, and said, now make your own decisions. Make your own choices. And I'm interested in your decisions. I'm interested in your choices. Even when it came to the Tower of Babel, which was a wrong decision, it says in Genesis 11:5, which we'll come to, It says, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. See? So God's very interested in what man does on his earth. And he gives to man a certain creativity. And he wants to partner with man. Solomon's temple. I mean, this is King Solomon building the temple for God. And it talks about it in 1 Kings 9, 2 through 3. It says, the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he appeared into him, Gibeon, 1 Kings 9, 2-3, 1 Kings 9, 3 says, And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. This is Solomon praying to God. And God said to Solomon, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made. And that prayer was obviously a prayer of dedication of the temple to God. And then God said, I have hallowed this house And he put this phrase in there. He says, which thou hast built. I have hallowed this house, which thou hast built. 1 Kings 9, 3. I have hallowed this house, which thou hast built, to put my name there forever. Mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. You know what's interesting about that? When God told Moses to make the tabernacle, there was like no deviation, Moses. Two times he says, don't you deviate, Moses. From the, you can build it exactly the way that you saw it on the mount. And Moses did. But he didn't do that with Solomon. As a matter of fact, God did not tell Solomon exactly how the temple was to be made. Now, there were many patterns and parts that followed the tabernacle, but there was some of uh, Solomon's creativity interjected in there. There was a big C. That wasn't in the tabernacle and so forth. So when it came time for Solomon to make the temple, Solomon made his own design, not totally deviating, but there were definitely 
parts of Solomon in there. Many parts that were patterned after the tabernacle, but plenty of parts where Solomon made decisions. So therefore, when God came to Solomon to dedicate it, he said, I have hallowed this house which thou hast built. This is your work, Solomon. I understand that. And I've hallowed it, and I've decided to put my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Isn't that a wonderful picture of God working together with Solomon and the relationship that it teaches us about how God wants to work together with us? He's interested in what we'll do for him. He's interested in the creative new ideas, even if it's the gospel blimp, where you throw gospels out of the window or something. With a big blimp. God's interested. He says muzzle tov, you know. But uh, that's what happened there. And so, um, now that was God's choice to hallow the house and to put his name there forever. And he didn't have to do that. But he did it because that's his nature. He encourages us. You know, it's like a father. You see some things that are done, and what does the father say? Good job, good job. You may look at it and say, I don't think it's a good job. But you're not the father. And the father's always going to see the good job. You're doing great, you know. And that's who God is. God created man in his image. He created him of the free will, not just to choose if or not he's going to respond to God's gospel call, but after he's saved, to have the free will to build and create for him. When we decide to go out and reach the lost for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we come up with creative ways, God's very interested. Very interested. And he wants to say, I've hallowed the house that you built. But with the corruption of the seed of the sons of God in Genesis 6, there was going to be no more creating of good and righteousness on the earth. And this corruption came through wrong marriages. Wrong marriages. This was a great danger. And from this example in Genesis 6, many saints of God took notice of this. They took strong notice of this. And one of them was Abraham. It was the great fear of Abraham in his life. Turn, if you would, to Genesis 24, 1 through 4, and this will be our last thing we look at. Genesis 24, 1 through 4. Great fear of Abraham for Isaac. Now, it starts off Genesis 24, 1, and it explains to us that Abraham was old and well-stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, Jehovah, the God, Elohim, of heaven, the God, Elohim, of the earth. And thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go into my country, my kindred, and take a wife from my son. So in these verses, we see in Abraham, in verse 1, that he is old and just beat. He's beaten down by age. There's no more fight left in Abraham. He's an old man. And it's time for Abraham to take it easy. He's tired. He's weary. He needs to rest and be cared for. And all the battles of life have been fought for. All the enemies have been conquered. All the provisions have been collected. And he's just done. And he's old and well-stricken, beaten down in age. And we see in Abraham in verse 1, who has been blessed in all things, Not just in some things, but in all things. So here's an Abraham that has everything he could possibly need. He's ready to coast comfortably out of this earth into God's bosom. And there's no need for Abraham to sweat anything. Every need's been taken care of. The Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. But we see an Abraham calling his eldest servant Eliezer, 
who ruled over all he had. And we see in Abraham who calls for the man who has all the authority and is greatly important to Abraham. And as old as he is and as well off as he is, we see in Abraham who's very concerned right now. And he calls for this trusted man to do something. And we see Eliezer coming in and he says, put thy hand under my thigh. The thigh was symbolic of the seed of Abraham, which was so important. And Eliezer knew it about the importance of the seed. Abraham said, Eliezer, I told you how my life is all about the seed of God. Eliezer, you know all the drama about my seed in my life. You know how I erred by not giving God time. And I threatened with Ishmael, the seed of God. And Eliezer, now with your hand under my thigh, I'm asking you for the preservation of my seed, the seed of God. And we see Abraham drawing Eliezer in and asking him to swear by the personal name of God, Jehovah, and by the Trinity name of God, Elohim, the Trinity name of God of heaven, the Trinity name of the God of the earth, utmost important. And he says, don't take a wife of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. He'd watched those daughters. Abraham had watched those women. And he knew that if his son Isaac got one of them, it would be bye-bye Isaac that he would be taken down. And Abraham had seen that. He knew that the corruption. So with every bit of strength that he musters here in his old age, before he dies, he says, I can't do it, but I'm entrusting you to do it. Isaac was 40 years old. And you might think Isaac would have said, I can pick a wife for myself. I'm 40 years old. But Abraham wanted God's choice for Isaac. And he was worried that he had been induced and enticed by the daughters of the Canaanite. So he sends him back to his country. And it had been a long time since Abraham had been back there. And Abraham, undoubtedly, being a son of God, had reached back out to the Canaanites, but also especially to his own kindred. And they had heard about the goodness of God. They knew about the knowledge of God. And so he sent them back there to do it. Well, that's what we're going to finish off this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being for us the God who guides, the God who loves, the God who teaches and instructs, and the God who guides. Help us, Lord, to be called the instructed ones, the taught ones, and the guided ones. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tom, today you talked about how important it was for Isaac to marry the right person. That's such an interesting topic to discuss in our day and age of marriage. But what can you say to a person who feels that maybe they married the wrong person that they currently are espoused to. I think that's, uh, maybe we all, well, I don't want to say too much, but <laughs> we may have married the wrong person. But, all right, this is very important. Now, this is, the question that's on the table is, what do you say to a person who feels they've married the wrong person? They know that they've married outside the will of God. They know that. They know they made the wrong decision. You know, there's a wonderful passage in the Bible that gives us insight to answer this question. And it was the time when Moses sent the spies into the land of Canaan. And it's found in Numbers 13. And let's just see, first of all, think about what Moses did as God's instructions. And so make the parallel as you listen to this of God's instructions before marriage, which it, which the, God's instructions are marry in the will of God. In other words, follow God's 
guidance. Follow God's guidelines for who you should marry. And so that's similar to, to this passage. So it says it's like this. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, get you up this way southward, go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, what the cities they be in that dwell in them, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land, and the time was the time of the first ripe grape. So what Moses was saying here is he's saying to them, I'm not asking you to tell us whether or not we can conquer the land. I just want a report. He's saying, just tell me is what kind of a land is it? Is it a good land, a bad land? And are they in the tents or in the strongholds? We just want you to come and report. We're not asking you to tell us what to do. We're just asking you to come. So that was like God's instructions. That was like Moses telling them, this is what you should do. Okay. So in other words, that's like, it's like, these are the guidelines for who you should marry. Okay. It's it parallel. All right. Now, now it goes on and it says that, uh, and I want to read the next part, which is Numbers 13, 31 through 33. And think about this as they made the wrong decision. This was wrong. But here's what happened. The men that went up with them said, we be not able Moses didn't ask him if we were able or not. He, they said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Moses didn't ask them to make any judgments about who's stronger. And then they went on and said, and they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people we saw in it are men of a great stature, and there we saw giants, the sons of Anak, which which come of the giants, and we were in their sight, in our own sight, as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Moses didn't ask him to make any assessment like that. Moses simply said, just tell us. We're not asking you to tell us if you're stronger, if you're weaker, if you're able, you're not able. Moses says, I know who's able, and our trust and our hope is in the Lord Jesus, is in the, is in the Lord, in Jehovah, who is... That was the Lord Jesus revealed to them as Jehovah. So that was already settled. Okay. Now, they made a wrong decision. That's like marrying outside the will of God. They made a wrong decision. So the question is, what do you do if you feel you've married the wrong person, if you feel you've married outside the will of God? It's like these men. They've made the wrong decision, and they've come back with the evil report. It was very bad. But so what happens? The next chapter, Numbers fourteen twenty five says, The Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the valley, and God said to them, Tomorrow turn you, get you into the wilderness by the Red Sea. In other words, God said, yes, you made the wrong decision. No, you're not going into the land, but I have a plan for you. Go and turn. So in other words, God's plan after a person has made a wrong decision is stay married. 
You're in the marriage now. You live with the decision you made. You don't go back and try to turn the clock back. You stay in the marriage because God is just very similar here where God did not say to them, okay, you made the wrong decision, so now you go into the land. No, he said, go, you've, you've made your decision. You will, you will live with your decision. You'll, this will be the way it's going to be. And don't forget, God did provide for them all during that time. And they were there. He provided the manna every day. So God had a plan for them. Even though they were living with the wrong decision, he took care of them. He was a pillar of fire to them at night. He was a cloud during the day. And that was all during the time, if you want to think about those 40 years, it was the time of living with their bad decision. But he was still loving God. He was still a caring God. He blessed them even in their wrong decision. So you might put it this way. You're, you've made a, you've married the wrong person. You married the the the, the I don't like to say the wrong person. You you didn't follow God's directions. You didn't follow God's guidelines, but you're married now. You stay married, and God will bless you in that marriage. It's just as he blessed them during the 40 years of wandering. Okay, but did they decide to do that? Well, of course not, because that's the nature. So Numbers 14, 40 through 45 is now they have decided not to follow God. And so it says here, and they rose up early in the morning and got them into the top of the mountain saying, lo, we be here and we will go up unto the place which the Lord hath promised for we sinned. And Moses said, wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and ye shall fall by the sword, because ye are turned away from the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up into the hilltop. Nevertheless, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites, which dwelt in that hill, and smote them and discomfited them even unto Hormoth. There was a great slaughter. You see what happened here? What occurred here is that they said, oh, they said, we made the wrong decision. Just like a person saying, oh, I married the wrong person. Oh, I didn't do it God's way. And they said, I know what we'll do. We'll just turn the clock back and redo the decision. See, that's like a person saying, I'll just get a divorce and forget I was ever married and go follow God and it'll be good. That's why it's very similar here. When they rose up early in the morning, and got to the top of the hill, and they said, we be here, and we will go to the place which the Lord hath promised. It was too late. It was too late. Even though they said, we have sinned, what's that mean? They repented of the wrong decision that they had made by bringing the evil report and not going into the land. And so they figured, well, look, now I've straightened out. Now I've repented. I've realized that I've sinned, so I'm going to go and turn the clock back and do it. It's just like a person saying, now I realize that I married the wrong person. I married outside of the will of God, so I'm going to turn the clock back and get divorced. See? And so Moses said, 
Wherefore, now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper. You can take those exact same words for the advice of somebody says, I'll get a divorce. And God would say, wherefore, now are you going to add more wrong, more transgression, more sin to the commandment of the Lord? What is the commandment of the Lord? The commandment of the Lord is, in Malachi, God says, I hate divorce. And, and, And Paul says, are you married? Seek not to be married. In other words, the commandment of the Lord is, at this point, you are married, and and God's will is you stay married. God loves marriage. God hates divorce. And so Moses says, it won't prosper what you do. And you just do the parallel. It won't prosper to get a divorce. And so then Moses said in verse 30, 42, go not up. The Lord is not among you. You be not smitten before your enemies. So in other words, it, it, Moses is saying, if you do this, it's going to be worse for you. And you make the parallel. If you go through with this divorce because you know that you've married outside the will of God, it will be worse for you. Don't do it, is what Moses was saying. And God would say to the person contemplating getting divorced, don't do it. And then he said, Moses said in verse 43, the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you. You shall fall by the sword because you are turned away from the Lord. To follow the Lord is to stay in the marriage. To turn away from the Lord is to go get divorced. And so he says, therefore, the Lord will not be with you in verse 43. Verse 44, but could they hear? Did they listen to Moses? Of course not. They said, we are stubborn. We are bullheaded. We are headstrong. We're going to do what we think is right to do, and therefore they presumed, and that's the word, they presumed to go up onto the hilltop. And that's what happens. And so, and the, and what happened? A great slaughter. So God's God's word is follow God's guidelines to get married in the will of God. If you don't and you marry outside the will of God, don't get divorced, stay in the marriage. That's the will of God. Thank you for joining us today. Now, don't forget, if you want to get this great message on marriage, you can get it again at our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Today's message and previous messages are always available for free listening and free to download from our websites, friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. That's israelrestoration.org. And both websites have information on Tom Cantor and free downloads and free information for you to view, watch, or study, all there. Both websites, friendshipwithgod.org and israelrestoration.org. And we want you to call us today if you have a lost Jewish friend that you need a free Tom Cantor DVD and testimony booklet sent to them. Call us today, 1-800-247-3051.